It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, on Sunday, I think you invented a brand new martial arts form. Uh, I mean, we, we've talked judo before in sermons, but you had like this brand new thing that a lot of the young guys are actually, I, I think they were humorously reenacting of yes. like what this new martial arts could be. Could you maybe explain what that is? And if you want to, you could even show off. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Demonstrate it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. To me, I thought I was in, inventing a dance, uh, but I think it turned which, more Which, by a... the way, if someone has not seen that <laughs> message, if for no other reason than your little dance moves that oh, you yeah. have in it. Uh, it would be worth going to Ellerslie.com and uh, either go to the sermons or the uh, forward slash daily page and just watch the dance moves of Eric Lutie. This was a great message for, for just the dance moves. Uh, that is a little sketchy in the motive side, uh, if that's the reason you, you listen <laughs> yeah, to it, though. Well, listen to the message, too, but you oh, know, yes, delight yes. In, the, in the dancing. Yeah, so uh, I, I had this phrase, and I guess a lot of people interpreted it. It sounded like a martial art. It was tai 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 <laughs> But it came from each of those letters, sort of like an anachronism, uh, of the eights, thrown into the Yardane. Okay, you have to listen to the message to understand it, but each of those letters, you know, turns into tay tai tai. And so what I was saying in the entire message, which is called the hanging of Haman, is the idea of how God turns our trials, our travesties, our difficulties, our disasters into triumphs. Always. This is what he specializes in. And so that's what it is. The story is the floating axe head where you have this axe head that's borrowed and it goes flying off uh, the handle and lands in the Jordan River and, oh, no, sinks to the bottom. It's just such a terrible travesty. It's so funny because all of us look at this story and it's like, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) (laughs) But in the story, it is. It's a big deal. And so Elisha is going to throw in a stick, a wood, or in this case, in the Hebrew, it's the eights. And this word for eights, a wood, is also used in Haman's story, you know, as a gallows. It's like a cross. And so what we see is the cross applied to, thrown into the Jordan, the Yardain, and that's like a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So we have this combination, this combo package of the work of the cross and how the Holy Spirit is going to bring that to us, and it's going to cause the supernatural to take place. It's going to, talk, it's going to take that which was a disaster and turn it into a supernatural demonstration of his power and his salvation. The axe head floats. And so that's what Tay Tai Tai is. And so there was a little dance with it. Every time you face a trial, every time you face a challenge, you need to Tay Tai Tai. And so uh, some people were asking me to demonstrate this new martial art by maybe flipping Nathan uh, in Daily Thunder. We decided against that. You know, we just thought that... Well, I was uh, I was more concerned that you just wouldn't be able to pick me up. Uh, so, so this whole judo move thing would actually maybe fall off flat on his face and <laughs> suddenly we'd have to like take it all back and be like, ah, well, <laughs> but it works well for the title, right. you know, the amazing judo, the amazing judo move, move. Okay. Is the name of this one. And so that's what this is. Christianity is turning what the enemy means for evil into a profound picture of good and of triumph. And that happens in every little situation. That's the message of scripture right there. I mean, I thought it'd be really fun to, to play a clip. I don't think it's one of the dancing ones, but to okay. play a clip. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> but play a clip from the message yes, uh, on Sunday. And kind of you're exhorting this idea. i just love to listen to it and then maybe flesh it out a little bit. Sure. There's a lot of evil going on. God's going to take every single bit of it and turn it into triumph. As a result, what do you have to fear? 
Think about that, guys. This is the logic of the Christians throughout the ages. If it's true that God is in control and everything the enemy means for evil gets turned, there's no need to fear it because it's all going to turn into triumph, every single bit of it. And that's where your faith comes in. You need to apply that cross and that Holy Spirit to every situation and say, he is able. He has done it, and he will continue to do it. I love that picture of just Romans 8, 28. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is what you're declaring, mm-hmm. that <clears throat> here's the enemy plotting, strategizing, trying to cause chaos and destruction. And yet, that which the enemy has meant for, for evil and for destroying mm-hmm. us, God is actually is leveraging it in that judo move, as mm-hmm. you would say, mm-hmm. or the tai tai tai. Is that is tai tai tai? Yeah, do right? the little. You have to do the dance with it. <laughs> that he's 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 grabbing that situation and then flipping it so that even though God may not have caused the initial issue, like the the, the chaos, God is actually leveraging everything in our life for our sanctification, for our good, for his purpose, for turning the world upside down. I, I love that picture in scripture. Could you unpack uh, the story in Haman? Because that's one of your favorite stories. Yeah. And give us just a, maybe a little more backstory to it. And because that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a tay 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 in that. We're going to see God turn what the enemy is conspiring for the destruction of the Jews into a fabulous picture of deliverance. It is. Uh, I was studying the Esther story some some probably a couple years ago now for our Bible survey class in our in our semester, and I was so I mean I was so moved by the reality of that truth. I mean the whole picture of the book of Esther is flesh and spirit, mm-hmm. and so you have Haman who, when you even look at his dis- descendancy, right? He's an mm-hmm. Agagite mm-hmm. who is an Amalekite, which is a picture of the flesh. It's a first. Mm-hmm. You have Esther or even Mordecai who's actually a picture. I mean even when you look at that lineage yeah. is an incredible picture of the spirit. And so you have this warring going on between the flesh and the spirit. And of course the flesh is doing everything it can. Paul tells us in the new Testament, the flesh is out. It's warring with the spirit. It's mm-hmm. trying to destroy the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the story of Haman specifically, it's actually a powerful thought that the flesh only means to kill, uh, uh, to still kill and destroy yeah. that he, he's trying to just devastate and remove all the Jews. And so what does he do? Well, in his frustration with Mordecai specifically, of course, he, he gives the edict to kill all the Jews. But with Mordecai, he creates what is often translated gallows. And of course, I'm thinking from 21st century gallows, and I'm thinking, yeah. okay, it's probably a rope with a yeah. noose. And he's somehow 50, what was it, like 50 feet or 75 yeah. feet tall. He's, he's going to be hanging. It's like that is the weirdest thought. But as I was studying it, what I found is that the Persians actually invented crucifixion. So the Romans took that which the Persians had invented and perfected it. So they did the nail thing. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, I mean, they were doing everything they could to torture the body. Yeah. But the Persians are the ones who invented crucifixion. And from what, I, what I've been found is they would just tie you onto two pieces of wood. <clears throat> and so when we're looking at the story of here's Haman trying to get Mordecai and he builds these gallows, it more than likely, of course, knowing scripture and how God works with the layering, uh, I have no doubt in my mind that it was a cross. So when the whole thing is flipped on its head and now the king looks and says, okay, Haman is now going to be killed upon his own devices. He literally is brought upon a cross and that which the enemy has meant for evil and destruction is being crucified on its own cross. And what's even perhaps more amazing, if that's possible, is when you follow the story of Esther through, you find out that there's this weird paragraph at the end of Esther who says, which basically says, it wasn't just Haman 
that was hung on the gallows. It was his 10 sons. Yeah. And it lists the names of the sons. And of course, there's nothing in scripture by accident. But it's like, why would you put a whole bunch of Persian guys' names that we actually, yeah. this is the first time they're even yeah. mentioned. Why, would it, why, why do we even care about Haman's son's yeah. names? But what's amazing is when you look look the names up in Persian, which I, I don't know this language. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking at some scholarship. Out of all the languages you know, that's the one you don't. Huh? Yeah, I barely know English. So, <clears throat> but, but, but looking that up in some scholarship, what is amazing is every single one of Haman's 10 sons they're all pictures of the flesh. Huh. It's pride, uh, arrogance, huh. self-righteousness. So and that's what the son's names mean. Huh. And so what is amazing to me is not only did God take that which the enemy meant for evil, but even the descendants, even even yeah. the outpouring of yeah. the flesh, yeah. Haman, yeah. even those were put upon a cross. The fruit of the flesh. Yes. Yeah. It's just an amazing thought of, specifically in our own lives, the reality of, of what God is wanting to do to yeah. accomplish his means. Yeah is really to remove every ounce of the enemy's work, every ounce of flesh yeah. in us for his purpose, his grandeur, his glory. So there's, there's, I don't know, what four or five stories that I brought up on Sunday specifically that just aim in this direction. Yep. And we talked about the axe head uh, floating earlier, and that's, you know, the tay tai tai the eights, which is the word for gallows even, the right. eights. Uh, it doesn't look like you would it sounds in the english it's like es uh that's that's the way we would look at it in a transliteration which looks like s but it's eights and that word is used where, where else is it used in scripture uh, yeah you were talking i was like uh because we're talking about the two pieces of wood yeah which in ezekiel which is, 37 which yeah. is profound yeah which is an eight and so as i should have been paying probably more attention but as you were <laughs> preaching i was like there's that story in exodus 15 where here they, here they just got out of the Red Sea story. They just made it three days into the wilderness from Egypt. And here's Moses with the Israelites, and they desperately need water. They're too far to have gone. And so they find some water, but it's bitter water. And so, of course, they cry out. Moses goes to God and says, God, what do you want me to do? And God shows him an eight, a piece of wood, and he throws it into the midst of bitter waters. The bitter waters become sweet. Well, I've looked at that. And I've used that so many times in the picture of it's a cross. It's, yeah. it's a grand declaration of the yeah. gospel. W what does God do in the midst of our twisted waters? Yeah. He yeah. puts a cross. Yeah. So there's that scene. Uh, there's the one in, uh, oh, I just lost the other one now. I can't uh, remember either what you told me. Boy, that uh, makes for good commentary, doesn't yeah. it? Well, give me half a second. It'll, it'll pop back <laughs> into my mind. <laughs> so we were going through various stories. Of course, all of these point to the cross, right. capital C, we yes. could say. In other words, you have all these small lowercase pictures or shadows of the work of the cross, the work of the wood. Yep. In a strange sense, that becomes, it's a tree. And anyone who hangs on a tree, I remember the other story, it was Joshua. Oh, that's right. Mekishadim, I forgot how to pronounce that uh, place. Remember the five? When the five stick, kings? Yeah, the five kings. Uh, so after after Joshua that's that's the story where the sun stood still. Yeah. But they bring the five kings out from the from the cave in which they had placed them, and then they put them and hung them on five eights. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that whole that whole story is a great great picture of the gospel and the cross. Oh yeah. Of just what what does the Joshua yeah. Yeshua do to the enemy? Yeah. He puts them on a cross. Yeah. Uh, which is what Jesus did, obviously, yeah. on the cross. And you know, we look at Jesus as the is the one who is the victim in that story when in actuality he's he's raging war he's waging yep. war against all those Haman and his 10 sons and yep. so on that cross he, 
Jesus is not the one defeated. It's the enemy that's the one defeated. And so the cross is, of course, the ultimate picture of that grand victory and that grand uh, judo flip where he, Jesus is going to tay tai tai In the ultimate sense, he is going to apply that wood and the Holy Spirit's going to orchestrate and architect this entire magnificent drama to literally pin the devil down to the mat. And so what a story. It is. And I, I think it's really important for us to recognize that God doesn't want to just do this in the big moments of our life. I, I, I love the re- the reason I love the axe head story. And you mentioned this in the message, and I thought it was just so profound that the axe head story is right next to Elisha and the Syrian army story. Mm-hmm. And the, the the statement you made in the message was the fact that God is just as he is interested in the us being surrounded by a whole Syrian army. Mm-hmm. And of course, that one makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, Elisha is about to be destroyed. Of course, God's going to be interested. Mm-hmm. But he's also interested in the axe head, uh-huh. that that seemingly insignificant parts of our lives, but for us they matter. Yeah, because I think there's things that you know. If I said, "Hey, this I'm really struggling with this right now," yeah. you could look at and be like, "Buddy, that's like <laughs> nothing." And, and in, in one sense, yeah. it's true. But yeah. for me, that that's significant. Yeah, it is. And you're like, "Yeah, but I'm dealing with a Syrian army issue," yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, yeah, yeah, God can handle that one, but does God handle the small issues?" Yeah. Yes. I think it's so important to realize that God wants to take every moment, yeah. uh, every situation of our lives, uh, all that the uh, all that the enemy is meant for evil, and to flip it. Yeah. And what a what a reminder of the yeah. triumph that we are to live in. Yeah. That we can actually be more than conquerors. That we can triumph in every situation mm-hmm. because we have a God who loves and delights in flipping mm-hmm. uh, the enemy. One of my favorite tay 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 stories in the Old Testament is one I didn't mention on uh, Sunday, but I've mentioned it many times. So have you. We've both thought on it multiple times, and that's Joseph. Joseph, I mean, it's a travesty. If you if you look at the story, everything about the story is terrible. What's going to happen to this poor guy? And yet what you're going to see is God is going to convert that which the enemy meant for evil. And that's Joseph's famous line when he's standing before his brothers, and he is going to say, what you meant as evil towards me, God meant for good. And that is an extraordinary mindset for us to have. It doesn't really matter if the enemy intends something to destroy us. God intends to take what the enemy intends and turn it to good. And that is the great resting point of the soul of the Christian. Right now, there is a lot of havoc being waged against truth, against righteousness, against that which is lovely and pure. And yet that which is being waged against all of that God is, all that God represents, all that we espouse and hold dear, is going to ultimately land on the enemy's head. And he is going to hang on the very gallows that he's erecting. That's right. So if I can maybe do a judo move and flip this conversation really quick. Mm -hmm. Do you have a practical thought for how we can implement this on a day-to-day basis? In other words, I I can look at the concept and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, it's a great concept. But how do I actually live this out? Like, uh, is there something practical I can do to keep my eyes focused on the truth and not just on the despair? Is, is there a way that I, I can look at, okay, God, even though I haven't seen you bring the horses and chariots of fire, mm-hmm. and I, all I can see is the the Syrian army, I'm going to place my faith in you. Do you have any, any practicals that yeah. would be helpful? I mean, well, there's the term rejoicing. The, the concept of leaping for joy, all of these in Scripture are being taught to us not in the moments of ease 
and of, you know, when there's earthly success, it's when you're being persecuted, it's when you're suffering, it's when you're going through, that's when they seem to come up. It's like, no, that's what you do now. Mm -hmm. It's a practical movement of the soul to go up instead of down. Depression is a downward push. Despair is a downward push. Rejoicing, hope are upward pushes. The soul has to make a choice at every juncture. And when we run into a difficulty, an axe head that falls into the Jordan, and oh, it's borrowed, oh no. Those moments are all around us. Our life is full, full of, filled with them. Not always are we surrounded by Syrian armies. That's a pretty uh, grandiose picture, but God is basically saying anywhere between your small issue and the biggest issue you can possibly think of, an entire army against one guy. And you know where do you stand? You need to always remember, I'm in control. And so as a result, when we choose to rejoice, it's a deliberate action of the soul to go upward, to leap. And that's why that term leap is even there. It's agaleio, to actually go upward, as opposed to allow the enemy to push you downward. It is like a tactical military maneuver against the enemy. It's almost the equivalent of a judo move against him. And so for me, I remember understanding theoretically that I was supposed to rejoice or theoretically that I was supposed to leap. I just started doing it one day. And that's actually when the game changed for me. I didn't wait till I felt like it. That's the danger. As many of us are like, well, when I finally feel like leaping, then I'll leap. Well, you're never going to feel like leaping when you're supposed to leap. You're supposed to leap. That, oh, that movement of obedience in the, the physical body, in the soul of a believer is a marshalling of that grace that we have been entrusted. And it actually works to flip our situations where our entire perspective, even if our natural realm has not yet lined up with the kingdom pattern, and it still looks like the enemy's winning, and we choose to rejoice, it literally changes our interior. Our soul climate is actually healthy. And then our externals, all those natural realm issues can begin to line up. It's almost like what you've talked about before, where the emotions, they do come in alignment but it's like the uh, psalmist david saying soul why are you downcast and then he commands his soul you will rejoice in the lord i love that picture of what you're saying just in terms of walking in the obedience walking fixating your mind on jesus christ and anytime you're feeling that pull to be for your focus to be removed Mm -hmm. to force it back upon the very place it's supposed to be so probably all of us have something that we could put a judo move on right now. We could tay-tay-tay. Uh, and because that's that's the essence of what it means to walk through our day practically, whether it's axe heads or whether it's the big deals in our life. I mean, the big things that are life and death. It's the same response in the Christian so that we apply the power of the shed blood of Jesus at that cross and allow the grace of the Holy Spirit to work in that situation to cause the supernatural like the axe to float within our souls where the world could look on and say, how could they be so peaceful right now? Well, axe head is floating. God is doing something supernatural in me as a Christian. He is overcoming the natural obstacles and giving me a buoy of grace in the midst of it so that I can actually rejoice. Hmm. I think as we as Christians, we don't, we shouldn't just esteem this. We need to actually live it. Amen. And so maybe just as an encouragement, a final wrap up for our audience, Let's actually find the little things today. Let's let's look for opportunities today uh, and rejoice. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. 
and our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Note that our live in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume on weekdays this coming June at the Ellerslie campus in conjunction with our discipleship training season. Thanks for listening.